Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. 46% of Americans expect to leave behind financial obligations when they pass away. So it's crucial to make sure your family is financially protected. Policy Genius helps you find the right life insurance coverage by comparing options from America's top insurers with help from licensed, award-winning agents. Secure your financial future with Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com to get free life insurance quotes in just a few clicks. That's policygenius.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation brought to you by Go Wild. Go Wild is the fastest growing outdoor themed social media app on the market. All you have to do is go to wherever you download your apps and download Go Wild. And for more information, you can visit timetogowild.com. My name is Clay Newcomb, and I'm the host of the Bear Hunting Magazine podcast. I'll also be your host into the world of hunting, the icon of North American wilderness, the bear. We'll talk about tactics, gear, conservation, but we'll also bring you into some of the wildest country on the planet, chasing bear. Welcome to the Bear Hunting Magazine podcast. We are here at the global headquarters of Bear Hunting Magazine, Jedi's right outside probably going to be barking a little bit it is october the 26th october 26th and i have with me in the office two of my really good friends that have done a lot of stuff with me over the years i got brent reeves here sitting at about 11 o'clock I got Ryan Greb sitting at about one o'clock. They're sitting pretty close to each other, awkwardly close. But uh, <laughs> what time is it where you're sitting? <laughs> I'm right at six. Oh, okay. But no, these guys, these guys traveled up. Brent traveled up from Central Arkansas. Ryan traveled up from Western Arkansas to meet here. And we're going to talk about Saskatchewan. What we're going to cover in this podcast is the last three years. Brent, Ryan, and I in a conglomerate of other Arkansans and a Wisconsinite by the name of Mark Cuddyback <laughs> have, uh, have traveled to Saskatchewan. Mark, just the last two years, but all of us the last three years, we've traveled to northern Saskatchewan to hunt with Bear Pro Safaris and Colby Morrison. And this hunt has become 
something really unique for me. I mean, I, I get to travel a lot with Bear Hunting Magazine to a lot of different outfitters, and I, I've, I hunt with some of the best outfitters in the world. I really do. The Saskatchewan hunt has become so fun primarily because of the the boat ride on the first year, the 60-mile boat ride. So these are the iconic moments that have made Bear Pro Safari what it is. The iconic boat ride, 60-mile boat ride, and high water, high seas the first year. And then the second year, 2017, the the hunt for the color face bear, which became a pretty well-known hunt because this bear came in, touched my arrow, Brent videoed it. The video, I think, has 1.6 or 1.7 million views on YouTube. But that hunt was like, as far as baited bear, bear hunts go in the north, that was one of the most spectacular hunts of all time. Number one, I missed a huge, probably, probably Boone and Crockett class bear with a trad bow. He was big. We saw... You're rubbing the salt in still. We saw we saw a boar breeding a sow. We had this big color phase bear come in and run these other bears off. And so Bear Pro Safaris to us is this unique, unique place. But before we get going with that, I wanna I wanna hear from you guys. So Brent Brent W. Reeves. Uh, not even close. Not even ahead. close. Brent's filmed with me for several years written some articles for me done some bear recipes but brent tell us a little bit about yourself oh, I, that's a that's such a dumb question yeah every podcaster <laughs> asks it tell me about yourself <laughs> yeah like you it's didn't like, already know <laughs> oh man i grew up in south arkansas and uh been in career-wise i guess law enforcement for the, almost 28 years now and got into the the guiding business the duck guiding business with my brother uh about gosh close to 30 years ago i guess and uh we uh, retired from that and i just got interested in in filming and i've been filming uh hunts you know all over i've been fortunate enough to to be taught by some really good videographers me and uh and then i've pretty well told clay how to do everything <laughs> <laughs> what Ryan didn't tell him. Yeah, that that's right. I kind of started him at first. You finished him up. So uh, it's true. But I, I've uh, it's just been a crazy trip, man. As far as what that camera has allowed me to do, and the places I've got to go, and the things I've got to see, and, and the people that I've met. That I mean, that was cool, you know. And you talk about that Saskatchewan, the the last three years the first year anytime people experience a near-death experience and all of them live through it mm -hmm. <laughs> you know you are brothers for life whether yeah. it's combat or in a boat on whatever lake that was Wollaston Lake that tried to kill us in Canada yes so it was uh I was holding on to empty uh empty gas cans yes, yes, yes. like thinking when I end up in that water, I'm going to have my life vest and I'm going to have this jerry can, as the Canadians what call it. What you didn't know was I took the lids off of them before you <laughs> <Yeah>. grabbed them. <laughs> it, it was, you know, we were, it was, it was two boats, right? You were and Kobe in one boat, and oh, it was three boats. Yeah. 
three boats. Yeah, three boats. So this this was 2016. Yeah. First year we hunted. And First so year, Colby was Colby's camp was on the backside of this lake. Of the moon. It was it was 50, 55 it was 55 miles as the crow flies. And then but we were hugging the inside bank of the lake because we couldn't get out in the middle. I don't know if y'all remember that. Oh, Colby said uh, Colby said it'll everything. be a, it'll be a little bit longer of a boat ride today. We're going to have to stay close to the bank. And I was like, yep. we were all like, oh, okay, it's probably a 30-minute 30 30 boat ride. <laughs> yeah. No, man, I kept looking at my watch and, and my crucifix. And, <laughs> and, I, and it just kept the, it was it was long, man. It was the longest boat ride ever. Raining? It, was, it wasn't pouring rain, but it was. I was trying to fish, but we were running just a little too fast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He was trolling. He had his five of diamond spoon out the side trying to catch a pike. It was, it was so so it was that scary. that year was iconic. Yeah. That year I killed a bear on the first day. Yep. I, I it was a nice bear. It was a Pope and Young bear. First but it was not minutes, it was not the bear that you go to Saskatchewan to take. I mean it was a good one. Oh yeah. Right so you filmed me on that twenty sixteen. You yep. filmed me there. Yep. So we were done after one day. And then Ryan hunted, and you killed a bear on the fourth day. It was the fifth day. Fifth day. Had Brent more, was with you. Yeah, we had one more day to hunt, and uh, Kobe took us to a new place. It was raining, put a tarp over her head. I was kind of thinking this wasn't going to work. It sounded like popcorn popping above her head, hitting that yeah. rain, yeah. hitting that tarp. But we wasn't there, what, 30 minutes, and Boar and Sal come in. and Yeah. We talked about it for a little bit, but we ended up – taking the boar and uh, but anyway it was a good hunt we had a good time the fishing was phenomenal that, uh, yeah you know the the camp was exceptional the food uh, and it was uh i wish we could go back to that exact location we uh didn't realize how spoiled or yeah how well we had it that year yeah hey before we get too far off track this was an introduction so Brent Reeve was introducing himself. So you were talking. Oh, yeah. You talked about being a duck god, being in law enforcement. Yep. You talked. Then you transitioned into you've you've followed people around and filmed and hunted all over the place for the last yep. couple of years. Yep. Well, yep. not the last couple of years. Last ten years. Yeah, about probably fifteen years. I met a guy out and uh, they didn't even make cameras fifteen years ago. <laughs> well, that's where uh, VCR tape. I was drawn on the on the side of a cave. That's where I started, <laughs> but. Uh, I was filming a uh, or hosting a film crew at my guide service, my brother's and I's guide service, and became friends with one of the videographers there, and that's that's how I got started. So it was um, by accident. And then but your history with me is that probably six seven years ago with the Arkansas Black Bear Association, which at the time I was running. You contacted me, and yep. we, were, we just talked about filming bear here in Arkansas. Yeah, you I ended up coming you. up to. I remember I sent you an email, I think, and then I called you, and uh, I was like, I told you what I was doing, that I was, you know, kind of a freelance videographer, and I'd like to come film you, and you were like, okay, whatever, and pretty much that was it. You hung up. You kind of blew me off there for that. I did. So I didn't figure I'd hear from you, and then the next year, <laughs> next year you called and said, hey man, come over here and let's do some filming, and I've taken you under my wing and. I can't count how many times I've saved your life, and I've been I've been a big blessing to you, Clay. So that's it, um, you know what you're saying is true. Out. It's true. <laughs> well, 
Very good. So, Ryan Grip. Enter Ryan Grip. Enter Ryan. Grib. Now let me let me give let me give a little history on Ryan Grip. Ryan Grip. When I have a question about bear hunting in Arkansas, I call Ryan Grip. Ryan Grip, and I will. If if this could be disproven, I would love I would love for it to be. But I believe this would. I believe this is true that nobody has killed more bear in terms of weight in Arkansas than Ryan Grab. And I'm talking about collective weight. Yep. Like, however oh. many bears you've killed. Oh, shucks, Clay, he, you're making me blush. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Ryan kills a big bear almost every year. When I say big, like, I don't know, you'd, you'd probably shoot a 300. I think a few years ago you shot a 325 right. or something. Yeah. But usually you're killing bear over 400. The bear you killed this year weighed 385? 385. And then... A couple of years ago, you killed a 440. You've killed a 504 pounder. I mean, Ryan, for we've been able to bait bears in Arkansas since 2001, and basically since then, Ryan's killed a bear almost every year. And uh, and so anyway, so I consider Ryan Greb a bear hunting expert. And then Ryan has also gone with me to Canada. Man, the first when I acquired Bear Hunting Magazine in 2013. I got the magazine in July of 2013, and it all kind of happened really quick. And I contacted this outfitter up in Ontario, and he was like, yeah, come and hunt. I called Ryan and said, you want to go to Ontario? He was like, yep. So we jumped in the truck, drove to Ontario, and uh, it took about three days hunting within 50 yards of gravel roads. Yep. And uh, we killed two bears. And the one that I killed was, I think, the biggest bear they had ever seen in the camp in their life. Yeah, I mean, monster. these guys were shocked when we showed them the bear. I mean, because Ryan and I, we were we were like, man, this is not good. I mean, we were – Ryan could hear them, Jason Aldean playing in the – Oh, yeah, the, the yeah. Actually, windows of the trucks by, and down. I could sing along what was on the radio. I mean, they were yeah. close. So it was no, it was no uh, wilderness hunt. And uh, – but – we we were it, it was a super fun hunt. Anyway, we ended up both killing bears and and good ones. Yeah, yeah. So that was our first like real outing. And ever since then, almost every time I've hunted in Canada, maybe not every year since then, you've gone with me to Canada. I think. Yeah, almost. I didn't go the year y'all went to Alberta. That's I right. Wish, I wish I'd win on that trip because y'all had big time success on that go around. Oh yeah, that was. You're yeah. right. I think every one of you guys killed couple bears a piece didn't you yeah we that was since 14 yeah yeah, yeah we killed six three of us killed six bears in right those days. but so tell us about yourself ron i've just uh i've grown up in uh, western arkansas and uh kind of cutting my teeth just uh bow hunting growing up uh fort chaffee you know wildlife management don't area tell them where you hunt man yeah it's not a secret anymore but uh <laughs> You kill all the big deer out of there. Yeah, but anyway, just uh, I own my own small business right now, but I'm fortunate to uh, get out and hunt quite a bit. And I've met Clay back in, I guess, what, around 2010? 2010. When you kicked off the Arkansas Black Bear Association. And uh, fortunate to get to know Clay pretty good, and he invited me on several of these trips, and we've gotten – to be pretty good friends over the years and talk probably. I wouldn't go that far, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, <laughs> anyway, all these trips we go on, uh, 
we've had a blast with the guys we've got to meet and uh, i get to aggravate brent when he's there a lot of times but uh, also here hunting in arkansas for bears and yeah in oklahoma you know we share some secrets and yeah. tips and yeah it seems like i'm always helping clay get his animals out of the woods but it's true but he no let me say something about ryan if ryan does something he is gonna be really good at it if he hand fishes for catfish he and his crew are going to catch the biggest catfish if he's a if he's deer hunting he's going to kill a big deer if he's bear hunting he's going to kill a big bear ryan's just an all-around woodsman and i have a ton of a ton of respect for him and uh so it's uh it's been fun to fun to travel yeah it is yeah well okay so we got we got these guys introduced and uh, and Ryan's been on a couple episodes of Bear Horizons. Brent's been on episodes of Bear Horizons. So Bear Horizons, for those of you who don't know, is our is our bear hunting show that's on Carbon TV. It's also it's mainly on YouTube at this point. But this is our fifth year of Bear Horizons. So these guys have been on and off through there for a couple of years. But so now to the topic at hand is Saskatchewan. Here we go. And <clears throat> let me let me start off by. To somebody that doesn't know much about bear hunting, which us being from the south, 10 years ago, I didn't know a thing about spring bear hunting. It never really entered my mind other than I knew that I wanted to go. I knew that it would be fun. It was like, hey, it'd be fun one day to travel up north in the spring of all times and go on a big game hunt. I mean, that was like far off. And I just envisioned like maybe one day I'd go one time and kill a bear and just be... You know, have this great time. Well, now this is something that I'm doing every year. And to be able to hunt a big game animal in the spring with your bow in May and June is something that you don't get to do. There's a few sheep that you can hunt, but how many of us can afford to go on a sheep hunt? Right. In in today's culture with where guys are becoming more and more passionate about year-round hunting, I mean, used to when my dad, who was as hardcore hunter as there was on the planet, man, he didn't start thinking about deer hunting until about September the first. Right. I mean, you just didn't, you just didn't do it. That's when you started shooting your bow. And then, as I got a little bit older, they started shooting 3D archery tournaments in the '90s, and so it kind of became a little bit more of a year-round thing. But now, hunting is like a year-round passion for all of us. We're thinking about it. We're on social media. We're yada yada yada. Well, that's where, to me, spring bear hunting plays in a major play for the hunters and southern hunters even particularly to be able to escape the heat of the south and go up north to me is an exp- is something that oh, absolutely. would be hard to replace. It is so stinking cool to leave Arkansas in late June. That's when we go to Saskatchewan, late June, and travel 30 hours whether by plane or whether we drive. Brent and I have driven the last two years. We'll talk about that. But get up there, and it's like, I mean, it's cool. Well, you're building crisp. a fire. You know, everybody's sitting around a fire. We're we're headed in, you know, it's June, late June, as hot as, almost as hot as it's going to get in Arkansas. And we're packing our winter clothes to go hunting in Saskatchewan. Your little pink union suit that you bring every year. You look really good. I've got it on now. <laughs> Just in case we were going to go up there today. <laughs> so to me, that's one, back to the point here, fellas, uh, that's one of the 
coolest things about yeah. about that is being able to just leave here and go there. The last two years, Brent and I have driven. It's 30 hours up to northern Saskatchewan. And uh, we usually break up the trip. We stop in North Dakota. And fight. And fight. <laughs> uh, what are we doing? You know what? i tell you what. When I, This is like really neither here nor there. But on the way back. Okay. Well, on the way there. Okay. When you when you get into Canada and yeah. southern Canada is like these big crop fields and flat and it's like to me the color of the sky kind of changes it and is. like you feel like you're there. It's so the next, like you think. It's like the next ten hours. It's like you're home. Yeah. On the way back home, when I feel like I'm home, is when I get to Kansas City. Yeah. And then you start driving and you start seeing all these like. Uh, what am I trying to say? All these like Ozarkian restaurants. Like I just feel like I'm home. We stopped at a little gas station on the way back. <laughs> when we stopped at that little the the little like Cracker Barrel looking, yeah, yeah. I'm like man, we're home. Road on trip, the, thirty hour road trip. Back. Yeah, when you can get uh, Chester chicken. And that's, the, it, that's it. That's and it. And the and the gas station, you're sweet home. Tea. Yeah, sweet, sweet tea. Lord, don't get me started about sweet tea. Yeah, it is an anomaly. If you can find it anywhere, yeah, Very overseas, yeah. So <laughs> spring bear hunting, spring bear hunting, is 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 truly unique. So when we go up to northern Canada and Saskatchewan, the cool thing about what Colby's doing is that his hunts are boat based hunts. Yeah. So he's on these big water systems, and in the in the lakes up in Canada, this wouldn't be. It's kind of unique because these lakes and rivers kind of like flow. Well, the rivers flow into the lakes, and then just on the backside, the river flows right out of the lake. So you never really know if you're in a lake or a river. I mean, even though they're named typically, but these big water systems. And some of these lakes are going to be huge. I mean, like 50, 60 miles across in the case of where we hunted yeah. a few years before. Yeah, when, you, when you're on a a lake and you can't see the bank yeah. either side that was what was foreign to me because it's yeah. it's nothing when you said we're going to be hunting lakes and river system it's nothing like what i had pictured in my mind was it you now not seeing another boat it's like you're the first people to ever yeah. be on that water there's right. there's nobody it's, right you know it's like a different planet out there yeah you actually feel alone i mean if something happens you're thinking how am I going to get Nobody's going to come find me. Yeah, I'm done. Now, so on the road trip up there, we actually we drive north until the pavement ends. I guess around Mississippi. Yeah. The little community this of in, Mississippi. Yeah, in, in Saskatchewan. Or is it LaRange? Where the, the pavement ends in LaRange. Yeah. LaRange, Saskatchewan. You can look it up. And then from there, there's it's 250 miles of dirt roads to get where we turn off to go to Colby's camp. Yeah. And from, from his camp, we access boats and travel up and down waterways as far as 22 miles any direction. The first year that we hunted there, Brent and I got in a boat, and we would travel 22 miles to our bait site yeah, by water, camp. which took about an hour. Yeah, you know he's running. I don't remember what what horsepower motors. Um, 45 horse. 45 horse and 40 horsepower. Yeah. Yeah. And so. You can, you know, we're traveling about 20 miles an hour, so it's not a bass boat traveling 70. Anyway, long boat rides. But so, Every day. But, he, but what he's able to do by getting that far north is, is, is he's able to access unhunted bears. I mean, 
I, I deal with a lot of Canadian outfitters through Bear Hunting Magazine, and what Canada has that we don't have is truly massive, massive amounts of true wilderness. And by true wilderness, I mean places where there are non-vehicular, no roads that a vehicle can drive down. Man, there, there was places up there that we were walking and scouting that I would, you know, you get the impression you may be the only person that's made a track in there. Totally untapped resources yeah. up there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, ro- you know, there's only couple roads that i mean the, the go that dirt road that we were on right. was the only north south road for like 60 or 70 miles yeah like to the east or right. the west yeah. yeah so i mean this you're completely remote when he takes us to these places listen to this the jim sessions told me uh, that in the united states the furthest that you can get from a road and be sitting in wilderness, and as the crow flies, the closest road, like the, the, the furthest you can get away from a road is 36 miles. And it's in uh, it's near the headwaters of the Yellowstone River in Wyoming. And uh, so if that's 36 miles. Right. Okay. In Canada, places like that are everywhere. Yeah, I mean, ninety percent of ninety percent of the population of Canada lives within a hundred miles of the U.S. border. I've heard that statistic before. Yeah, and then Canada goes forever north. I mean, it's a huge country, and there's just nobody that lives up there. Yeah, well, you think also, you know, not only roads. But I think back over the last three years, and I've been keeping up with it. Man, I paid attention to it. You don't see a commercial jet fly over. No. Yeah. If you see an airplane there, or aircraft of any kind, it's got floats on it and it's taking somebody fishing. Yeah, and that was rare. Yeah. 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 Hey, when I was in Alaska, talking about wilderness, when I was in Alaska, I've been to Alaska twice, South Central Alaska. You'll be, you'll have flown into this river system in Alaska. You boat-based hunt there as well. And there is hardly a moment when you cannot hear a bush plane flying overhead. Right. I mean, I'm serious. Like, in all the yeah. videos and stuff I do, you can't hardly talk for all the bush planes. I was there two years ago. Same, it's a little distracting because you're having this wilderness experience and constantly bush planes. And, I mean, that's the method of travel in Alaska. Right. And the time of year that I was there was when a lot of people were hunting. So it was a busy time. But, I mean, it was like... You were in the wilderness. Yeah, you were probably the only one within miles of where you were sitting on the ground. But in the air, there were planes all over the place. Yeah, it's not like and that. Not taking anything away from Alaska, but by golly, the most remote place I have ever set foot was the first year, 2016, when we drove the boat 60 miles yeah. to the camp. By I mean, far. and that's what—that's when you or somebody brought up, "Hey, there's not even commercial airlines yeah. flying over." Yep. And, exactly. And I mean, that was true wilderness. Yeah. True wilderness. And that's that's a commodity that, I mean, as we continue to move into the current time that we do with the encroachment of civilization, the loss of habitat, yeah. urban sprawl, people, populations of humans are increasing. It's like wilderness is really something that is valuable. It's valuable to humans, valuable to wildlife, valuable to the planet. Anyway, to go on a spring bear hunt in northern Canada, you get to partake of that. Yeah, it's I mean, just it's one, like, one piece of the puzzle. Absolutely. You get to partake of that. And there's also something really unique about being really familiar with the world that you live in, like 
all of us are outdoorsmen, and I mean, we're connoisseurs of this Arkansas uh, outdoor life that we live. We really are. Right. And to go up there and to really know nothing, you know what I mean? Like, I'm oh. asking I'm asking Colby, like, what kind of tree is that? Right. I mean, like, I feel like a... I feel like the the city people that you know come with me somewhere and they see a white oak and are like, "What kind of tree is that?" Oh, all you know, three like, of us have spent our whole lives in the woods and gone, you know, it, it, adventures hunting or whatever. But that place up there is like testosterone and steroids out of baby. I mean, it is. It's there's you just you can't describe it really. And it's it's a it is not majestic beauty. Like I, I've had a lot of people say well is it beautiful up there in northern saskatchewan it's absolutely beautiful it is not majestic beauty majestic beauty would be i would define it like rocky mountain beauty big grand vistas and rock formations and stuff that's just really really visually appealing this this to me is like a rugged nuanced beauty and the beauty is in the fact that there's this massive expanse of wilderness but but what what you typically have on the ground is that reindeer moss. Is that what they call it? Yeah, lichen even, stuff. It's lichen. I mean, yeah. it's like white. It's almost like you're walking on the moon. Right. And then jack pines, which are these small coniferous trees, evergreen. The biggest they get is about six inches at the base. Part of the reason we hunt on the ground, the ground up there. Yeah, because the trees ain't big enough to get. I guess you could maybe lean a ladder stand on some of them, but yeah, it'd probably bend over. Yeah, if the wind blows, you'll be swaying back <laughs> yeah. and forth for sure. Yeah, you couldn't make pulpwood out of that stuff up there. I mean, and that—that that is the northern boreal forest. Yeah, I mean that is the boreal for, forest, and those trees grow for like four months a year. I mean that's—I uh, guess technically because they hold their needles throughout the winter, they—they they actually are doing a little photosynthesis throughout the winter, but. I mean, the reason that those trees don't get big is because they don't grow. They're they they've been they're designed to live in heavy snowfall. And so, to me, the beauty, the appreciation of that place is realizing that every critter that's here is an extreme survivalist. Yeah, they're. I tough. mean, like down here where we live in these kind of mild latitudes, like you got a pretty big leeway of ecological niche that you can live in. If I could describe it that way, I mean, like. They're specialists here, but, like, not that specialist in terms of, like, how an animal adapts. But, man, when you get up that far north and you got to go through eight months of hard winter, seven months of hard winter, five feet of snow. Yeah, I mean, there's not a whole lot that can live. Well, there's, there's, there. three, there's four things. Right. There are four big game animals right. in northern Saskatchewan. Black bear. Yep. Moose. Caribou. And wolf. Yeah, and that's it. That is it. Now there's some small game species, but I mean, that's that's all that's there. And and what is the king of the Northwoods? Trick question. Bears. Always. I mean, they dominate the landscape. I mean, the moose moose populations. Moose is a low density animal. Yeah. I mean, you don't you don't see a lot of moose. The caribou up in that part of the country, Colby says, are rare. Yeah, they hardly but, ever see them. Yeah. And now wolves, now that's a different story, but yeah, there's there's more bears than wolves. But per, like if you were just doing a population density, the northern woods, black bear is the dominant animal. Oh, yeah. no doubt about it. Way, way more bears than, you know, people probably could even imagine up there. Yeah, yeah. 
no doubt. Has, have you ever have you done any research to what the density, what the population density is in that area? No, I I don't know the don't specifics know of that, or even if they have a a way to know. Well, some of these bears that Colby's hunting right now are collared. They're doing a study up in that part of the world uh, right now, and I guess it's a population study, but I, I don't know the the details of it. But you know, population densities of bear—that's a good question. Like a high population of bears is a bear one bear per square mile. Right. High population of deer is like forty-five deer per square mile. So when we say, "Oh man, there's a high population of bears there," we we say that relative to other things. Like you know, I mean, a high high density of bears in Arkansas is like one bear per square mile, which that's a good bear population and it's actually the same up there if not even there's just so much ground that you know there's there's bears are spread out and bears are low density animals right. they're not like white-tailed deer they're not, not they're gregarious. not a herd animal you know they're not gregarious right but uh but there's a there's a ton of bears up there and and we see exaggerated it, our situation is a little exaggerated in that we're hunting baited bears. So these bears are coming in from a lot of different places, you know. But those bears don't act like they do in Arkansas either. No. Well, these bears, too, are places Colby's accessing that has probably never been hunted, never been baited. In fact, next year he's going to a totally different water system that's probably never been bear hunted before ever. Yeah, yeah you know, that's something that was hard for me to grasp when you told me how big the area is that he hunts and yeah. it was i, I can't know, even remember to be honest with you it was over a hundred thousand square miles and wow. it may have been twice that much yeah. it was it was more than an outfitter could hunt oh gosh yeah yeah in a lifetime yeah and so in in and i and i'll say in as this pertains to other canadian outfitters Colby is not unique in that situation. Mm -hmm. I mean, these these Canadian outfitters have vast areas that they can hunt. And most of them, a lot of them, are the only people that are hunting them. I mean, so, um, you know, just as a plug for other outfitters as well, there's a ton of outfitters that have some sure. crazy good wilderness and hunting. there's only certain ways to access a lot of this. A lot of it you can't, there's no way to get in there to hunt it. Yeah, you couldn't drive. Yeah. You couldn't drive. You could fly in a float plane. Everything in, the, in Canada is accessed by water, because they're they're you know it's a glacial, glacial formed region. So they're I mean you look at a, a, a aerial photo uh, or satellite photo on Google Earth of any of those Canadian provinces, and it is littered. I mean littered with lakes, river systems. Unbelievable amount of water is flowing out of Canada. Yeah, and so. They're, that's the way they get in there. They don't have dirt roads that just little pig trails that go every direction up there. Yeah. So we have established that this is a wilderness hunt. Yep. That being said, we drive to our camp. The last two years, we've driven our pickup trucks right to camp. Yeah. Uh, this year, we stayed in wall tents. The year before, we stayed in these little wooden takedown cabins that colby made and the government actually wouldn't let him use those this year because of fire danger and they yeah. were afraid those things would burn and they needed to he needed to be able to pull evacuate evacuate quickly so they said yeah. you can't have those semi-permanent structures and so we had wall tents 
we we so we do drive right into camp and then we take the trucks down to a boat ramp and get in there and go hunting talk a little bit about the schedule of the hunt ryan kind of like like daily like a daily routine that we would do well you know it's uh you get up there and it don't get well i guess it don't get dark completely but probably the darkest it gets is two o'clock and the sun's right. rising by what three in the morning so yeah kind of messes your yeah. mental state up you know trying to sleep when there's daylight mm-hmm. you know coming through the tent wall but uh you know we sleep in in the mornings eat some breakfast and uh we'll uh get out you know late morning and do a little fishing and the fishing is spectacular most of these places fish don't know what baits are <laughs> they've never seen tackle yeah. But, yeah. you know, uh, do fish and have a good time, hang out with the guys, uh, come back, eat, uh, you know, lunch, noonish or so. And then we'll have a little, seem like, bow shoot and make sure everybody's, uh, you know, on target and uh, we gather our stuff and off we go, you know, in the trucks to, to get down where the boats are parked. And, uh, you know, some guys ain't got as far as boat ride, but some yeah. of us are going seem like to the other side of the earth to, to <laughs> yeah. get to some of these yeah so, these i mean some of the really good baits are within two or three miles of the of where we're putting right them. so it's not always there's not a cor- necessarily a correlation with the big bears are way back there you right know? i mean but the thing is kobe goes up there in the off season too and looks for these places where bears naturally travel i mean yeah. some of these uh places bears have used for generations that are beat down like these narrow razorback ridge tops yeah will have a gang trail on it that is beat down like you know deep trenches yeah and you know bears travel them a lot sometimes they're in pinch points you know, around the end of a lake or between a marsh right. and a ridge top or something but yeah. uh, he strategically puts these baits to where guys can you know have good right. success you know, and that's a key right there. Nothing about what he's doing is based on convenience. No. I no, mean, no. he wants to see his hunters, you know, shoot bears. Yeah. He, he loves that. And I thought it was, it's interesting. And I've, I've tried to pry as much as I could out of Colby about how he chooses where his bait sites are. He tries to spread them out, I've noticed, at least three to five miles apart. Right. That seems to be the trend, and he likes putting these baits on in areas where there are bear trails, and there are bear trails up there. Right. I mean, which yep. you don't see that much around here, and uh, he he puts them like on waterways. You know, these bears. You, there's creeks that are you know smaller feeder creeks that are running into these lakes and and rivers, and he'll put baits up these creek systems. There, even though it's relatively flat, there there is some topography. There's some you know, small rises, kind of rolling I'm glad, hills. I'm glad you mentioned that. He told me that he looks at contours, yeah. topo maps, and he will follow a contour, too. And a lot of those game trails, bear trails, whatever you want to call them, I mean, they look like a, for the folks that haven't seen it, it looks like a cow trail in a pasture. I mean, there's, yeah. there's it is flat, beat out, and it's dirt, and it's as wide, you know, eight, some of them 10 inches wide right. and beat down. And it's when you think about the four big animals that you said that live there, how, how long 
and how old are those trails well, there? You said you said a hundred years. Yeah, I mean, ten thousand. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the basically the current time frame that we live in. You know, ten thousand years ago was when the ice age kind of turned. You know, the Pleistocene turned into the modern era. Exactly. The glaciers retreated. All the current animals that we have in North America, all of a sudden were here. You know, not really all of a sudden, but they were here. So, I mean, yeah. So, these, not much has changed in the last 10,000 years. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty cool. You know. And this is an unaltered, I don't want to interrupt you, but let me just say this. This is an unaltered ecosystem. Like, down here, there is no such thing as an unaltered ecosystem. Nothing is the same as it was 50 years ago. I mean, that's what's cool about these kind of hunts. Yeah, I was just going to say. You know, some of these these baits, they'll, you know, drop the first guy off while we're waiting. You know, we'll throw a caster rod out just where he pulled the boat up and catch four or five pike just within <laughs> five or six minutes or, you know, walleye or, or something. It's just, yeah. you don't find that down here where we're right. at, you know. Right. Uh, true wilderness up there. Yeah. And and that's that's what you got to appreciate. And there's all different factors of these hunts that give them value. Like if you're whitetail hunting in the Midwest, I mean, you're not really wilderness is not really what you're valuing on that hunt. You're no. you're valuing whitetail deer and his antlers and big bucks. Right. When you go to Canada on a baited hunt, it's not a typically a test of physical endurance it's not like a rocky mountain elk hunt where really the limiting factor and the the thing you're after is is you know testing yourself up against this mountain like every every hunt has this angle that makes it valuable when i hunt right here close to my house i love it not because i have trophy deer right here i love it because i walk out of my house tell my kids bye while they're playing basketball jump in my truck drive a minute get out of my truck and go hunt and be home at dinner. Right. You know what I mean? Like, so that hunt has value to me. This hunt has value because of wilderness. It's not, it's not a technical hunt. I mean, and, and, and I want to talk a little bit about hunting bears over bait because it's massively misunderstood, even in the hunting community. People are like, I ah, hunting bears over donuts, man, don't knock it till you tried it. Come hunt with us and tell us that it's like hunting bears in a, in a, you know, I mean, it's it's just a it's a unique hunt, and it's not just for the kill that makes it unique. Well, I had a different I had a different opinion of it, only because I had never done it. Not it wasn't a bad opinion. You know, I, I'm not against it at all. wasn't against it at all. Right. But I thought, you know, how easy can that be? It's like right. catching catfish in the bathtub. Well, not that you, I have catfish yeah, in the bathtub. It allows you to be selective on animals. Yep. You know, too. Them bears up there don't know what we are or we pose any threat so yeah you can sit back and and watch bears for days and most of the time and try to you know wait on that bear that you're looking for right and that that's a massive key for hunting over bait is it allows you to be highly selective highly selective and that's a key for conservation that's a key for all kind of different stuff but I was just building this episode of Bear Horizon, which will probably be out about the time this podcast comes out. So go to 
Barony Magazine YouTube channel and check it out. Brent Reeves and I, we watched more bear behavior in six days of bear hunting up there than the average hardcore woodsman will see in a lifetime, probably three lifetimes. And And six times as much as we did in the last two years up there. Yeah, yeah, because we hunted like two days. Yeah, no, we—that's the key feature of this video, and you haven't even seen it yet. We need, we got to watch it. It's it finished exporting here. Is that we saw bears breeding, bears fighting, bears interacting with us, bears doing everything that bears do, and there is no other big game hunt where you get to watch and see animals for as long a period of time at close distance. And I mean, when I say close distance, I mean like. 10 yards on the ground oh yeah not looking through a fence i mean like there is no other big game hunt that is like this and so that is a angle into this baited thing that a guy's got to look at like if you're trying to evaluate you know a hunt man whitetail deer hunting i love it i absolutely go bonkers over it right and always have and always will man that big buck when i see him typically I'm watching him for a very short period of time. Yeah. I mean, he enters my life for like seconds before hopefully I'm able to harvest him or not. Last year, I didn't even see a shooter buck. Right. This year, I've encountered one, and we won't talk about that. But, <laughs> but Spoiler alert. <laughs> the, what I'm saying is, is that these baited hunts are really unique you get to watch these animals yeah and it and man there's something that you just have, you come away with a deep appreciation w- when you get to watch them yeah we were on like day four or five i can't remember and we had bears content there was not there was one hour maybe when we were on bait that we didn't have bears out in front of us and it wasn't a bear that you wanted to shoot i can remember making you laugh you turned around and looked at me at one point and i just said boring (laughs) (laughs) i didn't mean it i was just trying to be funny we got tired of watching bears but it was the i don't know man it was like watching channel two for a while there well this is a good place to actually talk about the specifics of our hunt so brent brent was with me brent was filming we hunted for five days Colby took us down a creek. And when I say a creek, it was like seven yards wide, like a small creek. You didn't go down it. You went left and right. Yeah. 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 Oh, man. Look at the drone footage, and you'll see what we're talking about from the video. But Colby, and this was a pretty unique bait. There was a creek that was navigable. Is that that a good word? It is. I didn't quite say it right. Uh, Close. About five miles, he could take his boat, his inflatable boats. Oh, geez, we got to talk about his boats. <laughs> we got a lot to talk about here. Magic car. Um, and so we went five miles. It took 45 minutes of just zigging and zagging and dodging limbs. And we went way back in here to this bait. He had very, very, at the, as far as you could take the boat. Brent and I hunted there for five days. And within 10 seconds of us sitting down the first day, two bears were coming. Coming in. And that was the trend. Every single day when Constantly. we sat down, and you'll see it in the video. Every time I do my interview, first day, because I, I, we did it real strategically this time. Every single day I did. It's day one. 
this is what's happening. Day two, day three, day four, day five. That's how the video lines out. <laughs> Every single one of those clips, there's a bear within 10 yards of me while I'm talking. Yeah, and it wasn't like we were just, you know, messing around, getting ready. We were, you know, we were. Oh, son, up. we would sit down and, I mean, scramble to get our gear it's out. Because we knew what was coming. We knew what was coming, and I just knew that. You know, probably the big shooter was going to walk in. Yeah. And so, I mean, we would just scramble, get our, everything together, and, man, the bears would be there. And we watched bears for eight hours a day for five days. Every day. I mean, there was hardly a – was there a two-hour section no. where there wasn't a bear in no. front of us? And I, I just said just a few seconds, a few minutes ago, I don't think there was an hour that there wasn't bears in front of us. That's true. That bait was phenomenal in terms of seeing bears. I think maybe the most bears we saw in a day would have been like seven or eight. Yeah, this was a also a brand new bait. It never we started been it hunted. three weeks ago. Right, three right. weeks before. Before we got there. Yeah. So these these bears have never never been hunted. They yeah. They probably never. Colby was probably the first human they ever smelled. Yeah. Yeah. So we're hunting off the ground. We're, we're just immediately just bears all around us. And so it's late June, the bear rut, okay? Typically, oh, man, we could get into a big deal about the bear rut. Bears, bears have a unique reproductive uh, methodology called delayed implantation, which means the sows get bred in the summer, but they don't start gestation until the winter, or early winter, late fall, once their bodies have decided whether they can rear young or not. Bears are low-density animals, so they need this big, long window of ovulation and ability to breed. So the sows come in. Like a whitetail rut, a doe is in heat for like three days. Because right. she's got to, bam, get bred so that that fawn is born at the exact time for highest probability of fawn survival. Right. A bear... Low density animal. If a bear had a sow bear had a three day heat, she may not get bred. So they have these long, longer heats, long spans of time. They get bred, at, and, and so everything about when, everything about a breeding cycle has to do with fawn arrival or cub arrival in this situation, right? right. So when that animal is going to pop out, well, they they bears regulate when their cubs are born. Because that that fertilized egg doesn't attach to the uterine wall until a specific time, usually in early November, and the cubs are born hairless, under a pound, in the den in January. Bizarre! You couldn't have thought that up if you were writing a science fiction novel. I'm trying to forget it now. Yeah. So really that brings up uh-huh. a very. I'm <laughs> taking a long road here, boys, to say that. June 26th is definitely in the window of bear breeding. Oh, sure. So all these bears are at this bait. And Brent and I just know that any day, any hour, any second, for five days, we just know the next flash of fur that we see is going to be this tank boar that we've come to Saskatchewan to hunt. Yeah. That, That in itself, for it being extended that long a time, was worth the price of admission oh yeah i mean mean, you were fueled up before we ever got in the boat to get there i mean because you just knew today was the day yeah we just knew because we've seen it before yeah we've seen it happen we've seen it happen fast there you know we got spoiled the first two years we hunted up there we killed on the first day the first two years we were there yep 
Yep. And target and you know the the, the big the color face bear that we killed last year up there. I mean that was a bear wasn't even on the hadn't they didn't even have pictures of. Right. He just showed he up. Just showed up. So that that's the experience that we were looking you know to repeat. Yeah. And and the logistics of this bait, Colby didn't have a camera out at the time. Just the logistics of it. And it's hard to understand, but it was. So we put up a camera when we got there. Almost all Colby's baits have 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 cameras on them. Yep. This one didn't. So we didn't know exactly what was coming in there, but there were so many bears. I mean, it was just like, there's for sure a shooter boar coming in here. Within the first day when we get there, one of the first bears that is there within 10 seconds of us sitting down yeah. is a nice color face bear. Beautiful. That probably most bear hunters wouldn't have passed. I mean, it was a, I don't even want to say the size of it because I, I don't know. I mean, it was a, that weight really isn't how you evaluate these spring bears because they're thin. They're yeah. coming out of he the was dens. Tall, tall, long-legged. You can see it on the video. Probably a probably a four-year-old boar, three to four-year-old boar. I mean, nice bear, beautiful, bl- like blaze orange color. Yep. You guys have to watch this video again. It, it's it's he's so pretty. Yeah. So this bear comes in like right off the bat, and and we basically watch this bear every day for five days. And we just keep waiting, and, and the big boar just doesn't come. Doesn't come, doesn't come, doesn't come. And uh, and it doesn't really make sense because the place is covered in sows. And uh, and we saw three different color phase boars yep. that were just, I mean, just right. Un- and I have very high standards when it comes to bear hunting. I mean, I do. And uh, so if I was just wanting to take home a good, good boar, I could have easily done it. First, the first day. day, but I was I was waiting for a tank, so I went up there, and it just it, it didn't come, and that's the that's the that's just hunting, that's just that's just part of it. It wasn't. It, it, everybody was seeing not everybody. We were seeing big bears. Ryan ended up killing a big bear. Spoiler alert: We're yeah. going to get to him, and just to cut to the cut to the chase of what happened to me. Is on the final day. Well, on day four, Brent, I actually said, I'm not going to shoot that bear today, but I might tomorrow. And what was also in the back of my mind was Brent had a tag. And if I killed early, Brent was going to get to hunt. And uh, and so in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, I'd like to get this done. That wasn't why I shot the, the bear. That was in the front of my mind. That was in the front of my mind. I was yeah. to hurry up and get it done. Yeah, yeah. And... So anyway, the final day, after watching this bear all week, shooting a traditional bow, shooting a, a takedown recurve, 52 pounds, 28 inches. Um, man, with a traditional bow, you just can't take anything for granted. Absolutely. Nothing. I mean, and, and that to me is the way that I have balanced the scales in some way. Every hunt that I do, I, there's an angle in my mind that I want to limit myself. And on baited bear hunts in Canada, typically I do it with a traditional bow. Yep. It's just the way I want to roll. It's just what I want to do. In Oklahoma two weeks ago, when I killed the big bear, right. I did not want the weapon to be the limiting factor of that hunt. <laughs> right. The limiting factor of that hunt was just getting that bear in front of you. Yeah. So some people are like, why don't you use a trad bow, Clay? Man, 
I love trad bows, and that's my primary weapon right now. But every hunt has a little different angle. And you, that's the beauty of hunting is you can cherry pick where you want the limiting factor to be. Yeah. And um, so shooting a trad bow, and, hey, I made a bad shot on the bear. I mean, it, it, what was so hard was that we'd watched this bear for so long. It was such an easy shot, probably 10 yards. And the truth is, is I was – we can watch the video again. I hit the bear at the back edge of the scapula, yeah. which is the shoulder. So I hit him about three inches high and just slightly forward. And if it had been lower, it would have been per- – really, it was only about that far high. You guys will have to watch the shot. But I smacked that bear right in the shoulder, and he ran off with my arrow. And uh, the bear is still out there being a bear today. Yeah, I mean, it didn't. it didn't – it didn't get any penetration. It just stuck in that scapula. And man, I got to say all the things that I got to say here. It was a terrible experience. It made me evaluate all the different things that I, you know, was I, was I practiced up? Was I ready mentally? And all those questions. It all just boils back down to just human error. I mean, you can't win them all. I'd actually been on an amazing traditional archery streak. I, that was the first bear I've ever shot and not recovered, ever. Yeah, I remember us talking about that. For, I, one bear in all all these years of bear hunting, I've never lost a bear. And uh, and actually been on a tremendous streak of, with whitetails and bears with a trad bow. Mm-hmm. And it, it's this is what I told Misty, my wife. I said, if you ride bulls, you're going to get your teeth knocked out. Right. If you shoot a traditional bow, you're gonna miss stuff. I mean, it, it just comes with the turf. It was a, it, uh, it was a, it was a roller coaster. You know, that whole time we sat there, and when it comes in, and you decide, okay, we're gonna do it. You know, and we're, I'm, we're rolling video, and man, it is some of the best stuff I've ever shot. And it was from all the different actions and of the bears that we got. What, what, bears being bears, then we decide to, you know, pull the pin on this thing and get it done, and it just didn't work out. It was, um, it makes you appreciate more the the times that we had before, the, the, yeah. the success we had before, because yeah. you know we appreciate. I mean, I you know I, I think about those hunts all the time, and how much fun we had, and the interaction we had yeah. with each other and the bears, and but. And even though the kill is not the 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 reason you travel up there, you know it's it's everything combined. Right. But it was you know it was a letdown, and it, it was, was a letdown. Uh, it was um, a life lesson and a hard one. Yeah. But the reason you can't appreciate the good unless you get some of the bad. Yeah. Well, the year before that, also everything, everybody in camp. Was done. Yeah, everything worked. Everybody killed five killed. bears, and I think the three weather days. was great. Yes, I mean, it really made you appreciate how good the hunting was before. Right, right, and the hunting was excellent this time, you know. And you know, sometimes the shot just we struggled. Right. So, well, listen to this. You know the old adage, and I've heard it on a few. In a few places, even in the last few days, on social media, don't take anything, don't shoot anything on the first day. Right. Wait, 
Is that right? Don't shoot anything on the first day you wouldn't take on the last. No, don't, don't pass. pass anything on the first day you wouldn't shoot on the last. Yeah. I passed this bear on the first day. Shot him on the last day. And I walked away with a bad taste in my mouth from that. I truly did. It just it just didn't feel right. And um, I, I kind of evaluated my motivations for shooting that bear. You know, it really wasn't what I came up there to shoot. And... I shot him, and it, and it didn't turn out right. And let me tell you how I applied this into my life later. is the exact same thing happened in Manitoba in August, is that I, on the first day of the hunt, first day I hunted, I filmed the guy the first day, I had a color phase bear come in that probably two people in North America would have passed. You was one of them. Me and Ryan. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I I was waiting. I really wanted a big, heavy, like four hundred plus pound fall bear. Right. This was this bear was gorgeous, and I passed him on the first day, and then because I felt like the hunt was going to be pretty easy, we're seeing a lot of bears. And anyway, the last day came, and and the outfitter was like, "That bear is coming in there. He's still there. If you want to go." hunt him you can and i knew that if i went in there i would shoot that bear and it would it was a bear that anybody would have been proud of and i actually regretted not shooting him on the first day okay but because of that saskatchewan deal i said no i ain't even going back in there put me over on this other place we hadn't even been where there was a bear that i really wanted the type of bear that i really wanted to hunt was there and I went over there to that bait the final day of the Manitoba hunt, sat there and never saw the big bear. Came home without it with a with a with a tag in my pocket. And so I actually felt good about that. I really did. You kinda evened it evened it out. Yeah. Yeah. It did. It 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 felt good to come away losing because I lost twice. <laughs> I mean I went to went to Saskatchewan, came home with a tag in my pocket, went to Manitoba, passed bears, was playing it conservative. Yeah. Came home with a tag in my pocket, so man, it's 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 no fun coming back from. I rarely come back from Canada with a tag in my pocket. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that is not that is not the um, the primary goal, I guess, is to go up there and kill one. So it is a so a sobering event. Yeah, yeah. to come back with it, but it, you know. The, what's good about that? It was your choice. Mm-hmm. You know, you made that decision, and for whatever reason, internally, you know, you did the, you did, you filled your tag, yeah, the your conscience tag or whatever you want to call it, yeah, you did that, so yeah, you didn't come home empty-handed. Truth no. be known, he's probably so nervous he just couldn't <laughs> pull back. And I was nervous. <laughs> Brent will tell you, my legs were shaking. Yeah, it was, uh, and I think that was, that had a lot to do with it. <laughs> I really do, man. I really think because I seen you snap shoot a, at a at bears before, and it is just money. Yeah, I seen you, you know, three yards. You know, it's hard to miss one at three yards. Yeah, but at twenty five yards, when you shot that bear the second time last year, right, right. I mean, it was. It's Henry. It's definitely easier to shoot when your brain doesn't have time to catch up with your right. your the mechanics of your physical body, like just to just to shoot, bam, you know. And 
that that's a big factor, and that's what I'm like in traditional archery. You go through these stages, and I kind of felt like I was on the honeymoon stage the last three years. Yeah, I mean, I just it was you like, what's the big everything. deal? <laughs> you were smoking everything. What's the big deal? Yeah, and then and then now, I'm 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 getting a little bit panicky when a deer walks up or a bear walks up because of partly for missing that bear in Saskatchewan well, but that was... that is the beauty of traditional archery I mean if I if I didn't want the weapon to be my limiting factor I'd be shooting the compound bow yeah, and that, that's just the game I want to play right now and it may change just because you would have had a compound don't mean you would have killed it off that's though. true that's, that's true. right you got oh, yeah. slapped in the face with a dead rat reality up there <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. can still feel it yeah yeah yeah, no, you're right. I mean, it it anything could happen with any weapon. Right. Uh, the the so that's what I'm working on. What I learned up there from that miss was I really have to pick a spot. That's so easy to say. Yeah, it's so easy to say. Pick a spot. Aim small, miss small. Man, you gotta have a machine for a brain to pick a spot when you shoot an animal with a traditional bow. Yeah. And I'm still learning how to do that. Um, oh, I'm still learning focus. how to do it. You just gotta focus. Now, going back to me being nervous, like the anticipation of seeing this bear walking, and we watched it for 30 minutes before I took the shot. Oh, yeah. And I mean, I, my, I, was, I was nervous as a cat. And I tell you what, I, I do love that, that I still get excited when I shoot a bear. And uh, Will you also add in the fact that regardless of the outcome, the world is going to know one way or the other because I'm sitting back there with a the camera yeah. filming the whole thing. And as soon as I did it, I knew that I could not make an episode about it. Yeah. I knew that I could not, you know, I had to come out with it and, and just, and, and hopefully somebody will learn something from this and nothing else. Just, just it is reality. Yeah. Yeah. So two days ago, two days ago, yeah. <laughs> let's talk about that. Oh man. <laughs> Two days ago, I missed a, for around here, a whopper whitetail buck. A good one. I mean, not like a 150, but for around here, a good one. Best deer I've missed in a long time. <laughs> I, 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 I will stand by my statement that I believe I hit really close to where I was aiming. Just the deer wasn't there when the air got there. I text Ryan and Brent and tell them I miss. And I, I made the statement on text i said man i watched that deer for 20 minutes before i shot and brent goes you're not very good if you have time to think about it yeah i've noticed that you you don't perform real well and that is when i drew the line in the sand and i was like too soon brent reeves we can no longer be friends i said i'm still in the tree the dust hadn't even settled from where that buck kicked up the leaves running off and brent's like yeah you're not very good when you have to think about it (laughs) well hey you know, he volunteered the information, Ryan. Right, yeah. <laughs> and like we said, you know, he could name the uh, episode, you know, if he makes one out of it, uh, missing this year's shooters this year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a good uh, idea. We, we got a deal going here where, well, we should we tell the name of your podcast, Brent? I'm just kidding. No. <laughs> no. Yeah. Yeah, the t- tagline of this podcast, missing this year's shooters this year. <laughs> That's the inside joke. Well, no, so I miss miss the bear. It's all a all a, a a journey of traditional archery and the discipline of traditional archery. That's yeah. what I love about it. I mean, and so 
to me, that's just where I'm at. I want to I want to do it with a trad bow. That being said, I'm going to Manitoba. I'm carrying a compound bow. Tomorrow. This, yeah, tomorrow. Going to Manitoba. And the, the limiting factor is not, I don't want it to be the bow, you know, so I'm going to take it. But, man, Ryan, tell us, uh, tell us, uh, oh, phone ringing. Citronella, Alabama? No mosquitoes there. No mosquitoes there. <laughs> Just got cancer. Nah, so, so on the... <laughs> On the day that I shot my bear, I get a text on the Garmin inReach from Ryan, and he says, just shot a big one. And so on day five is when you killed your bear. Give us give us just a little rundown of, of the hunt. Yeah, I'm trying and to brainstorm. Hunt. Was it the fifth day? Well, it was, I shot my bear on the fifth day, and you texted me while Brent and I were waiting at the boat. I guess that's right, yeah. yeah. It was the fifth day. Uh, you know, the first day uh, he took me in there to – a different bait which uh, i had my heart set going to where i was gonna hunt the rest of the week but went to this first bait and just seen uh i think it was a younger sow probably 200 pound sow that evening it's the only bear i'd seen but the next day i, I asked him you know if we could go back to where i'd killed the, the year before he said absolutely which was a lot longer boat ride so i took plenty of pain meds for the boat ride to get there because the wind had been blowing but no just kidding but uh yeah he took me to this bait and before i could even get settled in the blind a bear's coming in and uh, but uh you know what that evening i'd seen i don't know three or four bears uh one really nice probably probably close to 300 pound boar come in right off the bat and um, as I was sitting there, and I'm trying to film, self-film, uh, just over the know, here comes a, a big bear, a really big bear. Comes in, commits to the bait, and about 25 yards, and uh, he just does not give me the right angle. But in the meantime, I've got this other boar circling within arm's reach, so I'm trying to shoot yeah. him. Oh, you know, out of the while blind. you're looking over your right. shoulder because there's a bear trying to sniff you over here. Yeah, I've got a whopper just right out front that I'm waiting to get broadside, and this other one's you know in my pocket, and I'm throwing sticks at him. But <laughs> anyway, this this bear I never get a shot at. It ends up running a a smaller bear off the bait and just kind of disappears for the evening, and uh, which that's that first day was what a day i think was that a tuesday monday monday was the first day yeah monday was at the other bait tuesday i didn't get a shot wednesday uh that same bear come in and uh the smaller bear no the bigger bear man i've messed my days up yeah i don't remember but anyway uh i end up getting a shot at this bear i'd seen the day before which was a big bear and uh I end up with and shoot right under him. I forgot about that, Ryan. Yeah. yeah. Uh, now we can talk about Ryan right. missing yeah. with a yeah. compound bow. And you Whoa. know what's weird is everybody in camp just shot and shot and shot. Every day. Every day you know, yeah. so uh, everybody's dead on. And I don't know how, but I shot, you know, just low. And I was sick about it. Hey, and let me just tell you, I was shocked when I heard that. I mean, Ryan grabbed it and missed bears with a compound bow off the ground 
Yeah, it was, <laughs> I was down and out. But it, he wasn't that yeah. scared. And what's worse than that is he ended up coming back in later that evening, and he stayed hid behind the barrel, wouldn't give me the right shot again. And finally he goes to mosey off at about 30 yards, broadside again, I shoot and shoot right under him. And I, I'm ready to, to <laughs> just go really drown myself I feel really good that we're going to end the podcast on this. <laughs> yeah, this is great. Yeah. But, uh, I forgot that. Yeah. I forgot it, too. Yeah. I forgot you missed it twice. I I'm, remember you missed it. I'm glad because y'all hadn't been giving me a hard time. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Uh, Round two starts today. Yeah, but the uh, I think it was the next day uh, when they're maybe an hour and uh, a really – nice bear comes right in we'd actually moved the barrel up there just a hair closer to me just, <laughs> yeah. you know uh, At 30 I, i'm doubting myself you know yeah and uh but anyway this other bear comes right in does what i want him to and i mean i just center punched him he actually ran a half circle behind me and uh died just dang near right where they pulled the boat up also, while this is going on, I'm filming the whole week, self-filming, and I uh, get all the spectacular footage. <laughs> I shoot this bear, think, man, I've really done something, you know? And uh, as I'm doing a little post-hunt interview there, I notice that the red dot's not the old on red light. <laughs> the yeah. old red light. And uh, needless to say, I didn't get any of the... Oh. the bear coming in the shot anything and i just I knew it would have been a full episode of bear horizon yeah I, you robbed the people i did i did i thought i'm leaving canada without a scalp because you was going to take a <laughs> to <the camp. laughs> oh man it was it was like getting somebody kicking sand in your eyes when you were down because yeah. uh, ryan was like i killed a big one i was like yes at least we got we got one good bear ryan's filming and then like 10 months later he said but. but I didn't get it on film. <laughs> oh, yeah, let's hear it for the cameraman. I wish I had it hey, over me. Your last year's video that you self-filmed has 120,000 views on YouTube. Yeah, we go. it was incredible. Yeah, that was good. Same, same spot. Same, same spot. Place, yeah, yeah. It was. Probably could have been some of the same bears you saw. Might have been. The bear I ended up killing this year. You know it. I had not seen that bear that whole week, you know, the previous wow. two or three days. Okay, so. see, I didn't realize that, that was a new bear. See, yeah. that's what's so unique about this kind of hunting is that we sat on just a red-hot bait for five days and never saw just a whopper, whopper bear. You sat on a red-hot bait, and there were three whopper bears. And by a whopper, you know, a 300-plus-pound spring bear is a big bear. Yeah. And, the, and the big one that you missed was probably in the 400-pound range. Yeah, Okay, pushing four. Yeah, so I mean that's that's a that's monster a spring bear. Yeah. Monster spring bear. And then the one the one you killed, how how big you think it was? Uh, I'm gonna say it was three three twenty five. You yeah. know, it, time was winding down, and it, I mean it was a good bear. It was and, a heck of a bear, right? And uh, you know, I just decided to to see if I could miss that one too. But yeah, I ended yeah. up hitting him right where I needed to. Yeah. So it was a, it was an awesome hunt that Ryan was was in a he was in his favorite little spot over there did really good, 
had a lot of action. And then the the sixth day, final day, Brent was up to bat. And and here was my deal. I shot that bear on the fifth day and actually had another full day to hunt. And I just didn't feel right about it. There's no the, – in Saskatchewan, I could have continued to hunt. Yeah. I still had an unfilled tag. But I told Brent, I said, my hunt's over. I'm done. You're up to bat. And uh, so Brent actually went in where you killed your bear. And I knew for sure we were going to get a bear. Oh, yeah, man. I did do. I had I a mean, good feeling. I had a great feeling. I mean, we had one full – I mean, all it takes up there is an afternoon. A lot and of that time. bait had been destroyed from the day yeah, before. Yeah, I couldn't believe it. it we sat for smashed. six hours and saw one bear that wouldn't even hardly come into the bait. Yeah. And so it's dark. just – you just never know. So Brent got to hunt one day. Yep. And, uh, and he could have shot this smaller bear that was there. Yeah. But it just wasn't what we were after. Yeah. So Let's go back. We're gonna have to go back, I guess. Okay. Brian didn't know if he's gonna go. He's about out of arrows. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna have to get some new arrows. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, this it's it was a phenomenal hunt. Uh, Bear Pro Safaris, Northern Saskatchewan, and we're we're probably gonna end up probably gonna end up back there this year. Yeah. Some conglomeration of us, we're not sure. Ryan's not sure if he can go. You know, what I'd like to say is there's nobody doing what. Colby's doing up there that we're aware of that's, you know, a lot of these outfitters, uh, you know, it's places it's baited year after year after year. Right. Uh, some of them may not be that far from, you know, access road or, or something, but Colby takes you somewhere away from, you know, the norm and puts you on fresh bears and, uh, he don't take no shortcuts and yeah. you know it's 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 amazing what he does the hard work that him and dustin do uh and uh you know i'm amazed at their woodsmanship and uh, you know like i said their work ethic and uh, you know there's nobody else i would go with up there i don't think that he spoiled me yeah yeah man so, i i have a ton of respect for all these bear outfitters it's a tremendous amount of work i mean those guys are just made of steel. Yeah. They really are. Yeah, they're they're purpose driven. You know, I was talking to a a guy out in California um about doing about some bear hunting, about some filming stuff the other day and this was before the Arkansas opener and told him, you know, we had a bear bait going and he he put it pretty good when he said he couldn't think of any other hunt where you have more sweat equity and involved and invested in something than than a baited bear hunt. That's true. And it is. It's you know, true. I love all types of bear hunting. I love spot and stalk hunting in the West. I mean, there's just something special about it. Yeah. There's something special about hunting with hounds. Always. There's something special about hunting in in these big woods the way we do. You couldn't really call it spot and stalk, but almost like spot and stalk. Right. But the hardest hunts that I do in terms of volume of work are baited hunts. Oh, by far. I mean, you know, and and n- not taking anything away from a spot and stalk hunt takes a ton of skill. It's technical. You got to be in good shape. But man, baited bear hunts a lot of work. You know, I've helped you a little bit in the past on a few baits. Like right before we, I'd, I'd get in camp. You know, a couple of days early, and we would bait. You know, and I would film some stuff for you, or maybe tote a little bait in or whatever. But this year, when men 
friend of mine, we started that that bait. Mm -hmm. That's when I really realized, man, this this ain't nothing easy about what the I, easiest. What thing, I tell you, yeah, yeah. What he said, the dream is free. But the, the dream is free. The hustle is sold separately. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I laughed for like thirty minutes over that. But it, it's true, you know. I mean, and it's you got to stay on if you want it to work. You got to yeah. stay on top of it. And, yeah. And usually, bears here, um, you got to do some work to get to them to yeah. get where they are. You can't just yeah. you know drive up and throw a loaf of bread out. It's going to take some logistics. Yeah. You got to do a lot of things right to kill the older, mature bore over bait especially in arkansas and oklahoma i mean yeah. that's the best way i can describe it is that you got to do a ton of stuff right you got to do a ton of stuff right yeah we we about a ton of work. almost destroyed a polaris ranger having to get into <laughs> this place to get to get the bait to get just to get the barrel in there i mean it came out looking like something the clampets were driving around when, <laughs> when we were when we got out of those mountains mm. It was terrible. Well, that's that's where the bears are. You got to get to them <laughs> that, places. That's right. Yep. It's all about location. Well, we'll have another podcast at some point with Ryan and maybe probably Brent too, but about Arkansas bears and about what we're doing and how we're targeting these bears. You know, bears are so cool because they're so diverse. I love hunting over bait, and I will never not love hunting over bait. I also love going out in the mountains, national forest, and just hunting them one-on-one. -on -one. I love, I'm probably going to end up out in Tennessee later this fall hunting over hounds. I mean, they're, they're such a diverse animal. They cover such a wide geographic range. They cover, they overlap so many different types of hunting cultures. Yeah. I mean, it, that it's just such a unique, unique animal to be able to hunt. Whatever is happening ecologically in North America is beneficial to bears. You show me a bear population that's in decline, a black bear population that's in decline in North America. Yeah, there ain't one. They're just, they're just not. I mean, they're, they're, they're where they're, they're, they're expanding every direction out of Arkansas into eastern Oklahoma, southern Missouri, western Mississippi, northern Louisiana, northeast Texas. Hey, I man, mean, we're, I grew up in southeast Arkansas, and if you wanted to see a bear, you had to drive a long ways away. Yeah, and I got a buddy who works for the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service down in uh, Felsenthal National Wildlife Refuge. You want to see a bear? He'll just go out and show you one. They're covered in bears. They're everywhere. Yeah, yeah. So this is a, a great time to be a bear hunter, you know. And I and I think for bears are kind of overlooked in some ways, and that's what we're trying to change here at Bear Hunting Magazine. And we're trying to educate to people too about. The conservation angle of this type of hunting. I mean, spring bear hunting is is strategically happening during fawning times. Yeah. So you take a bear out of that population, it's one less bear that's going to be able to target a moose fawn or a caribou fawn or right. a whitetail fawn. I mean, there's we use the meat. I mean, bear meat is fantastic when it's handled and cooked correctly. Yes. We use the hide. We 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 take the skulls. I mean, there's all these wildlife commodities we render down the fat there's all these things that we do with bear and we're learning more every day i mean i i'm, I'm i've made it a, a mission in what i do to try to learn more about how to utilize this animal that we that we love value appreciate and so you just can't be a bear hunter in 2018 and expect this to continue unless we're pretty darn educated right and even articulate what I want to do with Bear Hunting Magazine and with this podcast and with our videos 
is to put words in people's mouths that they can then begin to say. And, and not that I'm the one that started it. I mean, somebody told me how to say it. But just, just this idea that if we want the bear hunt for charismatic megafauna, for big predators to continue in the politically correct, urbanized, civilized, concretized society that we now live in, we're going to have to get super smart. And even in this world of social media, which I don't have a good answer to. I, it'd probably be better if we never, none of us ever put anything on the internet about bear hunting. But that's just not going to happen. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of like saying, well, it'd be better if nobody drove cars. Because right. people wouldn't sure. die in car wrecks. Yeah. The ozone wouldn't be depleted. And it's like, well, we've kind of, we're too far steeped in blood. We can't not drive cars. The world knows we bear hunt. So we might as well get educated and, and our goal is to put out some quality media that has a, 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 a solid perspective on, on bear hunting. And we want to we want to portray it as it actually is in, in the right way to what we think is the right way to do things. Which yeah. For the for the species and, and the sport, you know, yeah. the species being first. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, hey. Check out the Bear Hunting Magazine YouTube channel and watch this episode. Uh, it's it's going to be the most recent episode about Saskatchewan. I don't even know that. I hadn't even named it yet. Swing and a miss. Swing and a miss. <laughs> Swing. Too soon, brother. Um, so, but you'll be able to watch. You'll be able to watch this episode. Hey, check out our print magazine. Shameless plug, man. We got an awesome print magazine. We're the only bear hunting magazine in the world. Only print bear hunting magazine in the world. And you know, check it out. Subscribe. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Check out our YouTube channel. Man, keep the wild places wild because that's where the bears live. You ever get that feeling the walls closing in, the concrete jungle suffocating you? You crave some wide open spaces, the chance to connect with nature, maybe in a spot all your own. Well, head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, streams, you name it. Search by acreage. You can search by location. You can search by the kind of hunting and fishing you're dreaming of. Land.com. It is where the adventure begins. Hey, we're going to take a little break here and talk about interstate batteries. Now, if you're like me, enjoying the great outdoors, you need gear that is as reliable as it gets. That's why I power my adventures with interstate batteries. I use interstate batteries in my boats. I use interstate batteries in my camper. Great for your truck, too. From Alaska to Montana, they're outrageously dependable. Battery is essential. With over 150,000 dealer locations, finding one is easy. For all your vehicles, land or sea, choose Interstate. Head to interstatebatteries.com and find your power today.